Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Investor Lab, and boy, you are in for a treat today. Um, so, as you know, this is the auditory epicenter for passionate people seeking a life of freedom, choice, and abundance. And you would know that my name is Goose. But joining me today was a very, very special guest. His name is Tristan Schiefer, and he is a financial advisor. But before you go, ooh, rough, that's a bit dry. He is not like your average financial advisor. Let's just put it that way. And this conversation was deeply bedded in spirituality, identity, manifestation, love, all kinds of stuff. So the firm that he runs is um, called Purpose Advisor and they help people to create whole life plans, which is not just focused on money. It's about focusing on creating the life that you uh, not only want but deserve and, and actually putting that into action. So. We covered all kinds of stuff in this episode. There was so much to unpack there. We covered, you know, whether money is the key to happiness and where, how the role that it plays. We covered the philosophy of money. We even spoke about the fact that economy is the seed of all innovation and how that impacts personal relationships. We spoke about how money is a magnifier for the for your greatest and worst attributes. Um, we spoke about. Oh my God! So I'm looking at my notes right now. There is so. I was scrolled pages of notes out of this and we had so much fun. We went everywhere. It was, it was like, uh, it was an intellectual acid trip that will give you the uh, foundation of transforming from where you are now to where you want to be on a, on a deep and meaningful level. So, this this episode's perfect for anyone, literally at any point in their journey. Whether you whether you have already achieved uh, wealth in some way, or you're just starting that journey, or you're just questioning who you are, or questioning is there more to life than what I've currently got right now? Then I know I there's not even a shadow of a doubt in my mind that you are going to listen to this episode probably three or four times and be like, "Wow, I've just gone on one hell of a ride." Uh, I certainly enjoyed it, and I know that you will too. This is um this is a real ripper, and it was an absolute, absolute treat to be able to spend um, this time having having this level of uh, high level conversation. And uh, as I say, I know that I know that you're going to absolutely get get the most out of it. Now, if you if you do if you if you actually do do the thing that I just said and get a lot out of it, then I would love for you to please share this with somebody else who would also love to think at a higher level and to and to elevate their sense of purpose and fulfillment. Because at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. You know, this is all one big journey to finding our greater self. And uh, if you want to help somebody else do that, then this is the episode to send them. And on top of that, if you could like, rate, review, share, comment, do all the good stuff, interact with this. If you can see this or hear this, then interact with this in a meaningful way to let us know that you care about us just as much as we care about you. Um, it's, it's an absolute pleasure being on this journey with you and thank you so much for trusting me to be a part of this little piece of your life. Uh, it means a lot and I don't take it lightly. So thanks again. You're the best and I look forward to seeing you on the inside. Hey guys, welcome back to the Investor Lab and joining me today, uh, actually before I even get to who's joining me today, I'm so excited about the conversation we're about to embark on. We're going to be digging into a whole paradigm of of concepts around not just wealth but also fulfillment and purpose and it's an absolute delight mm. to be welcoming to the show 
a, a very esteemed guest who runs a business called Purpose Advisory and he's built a business basically helping people to to build whole life plans that allow them to achieve greater levels of fulfillment, not just financially, but in many other ways. I'm super excited to have you here. Tristan Shifo, welcome to the Investor Lab. Hey Goose, I'm excited to be here, flattered, really looking forward to the chat. Yeah, man. So look, Let's let's get into it. I know a little bit about who you are, but the people listening to this show might not. Now, to put it simply, you're a financial advisor. Is that right? Yeah, officially. That's where I began uh, 2013. Um, originally, I was in training, so like leadership development for, for kids in schools. Yep. Um, found my way into business training and then almost stumbled into financial advice. I did a bit of reflection one summer after getting the sack from a previous job. Thought, where, where are my skills best served? Just discovered financial advice and thought, oh, what a cool way to work with people on a heart level, but still use all my techie nerdy abilities um, and then, you know, help them beyond their finances in their life. Not knowing where that would take me, but that was kind of the beginning of the journey. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm just going to, I'm just going to put this out there. Financial advisors don't have the best reputation. Yeah. Look, I, I agree. Much like, real, much, much like real estate professionals. I think so. Though, right? I think <laughs> you and I are probably evenly stacked in that sense. Um, and I think financial advice is slightly ahead of the real estate industry in that we're kind of more trusted now than we were a few years ago than you yep. guys are now than a few years ago. Do you know what I mean? I would, I would agree with that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a really interesting thing, and, and I want to dig into that a little bit because um, when I first met you and first had a conversation with you, I was like, this guy does not seem like a financial advisor. Much in the same way that when I started out on my real estate uh, journey, I think I had a lot of people going, "Oh my god, what what is going on here?" What is yeah, that? <laughs> yeah, oh man, the amount of times that I'm like, you, you, you need to be wearing a suit. You can't call yourself goose. What's with the mustache? You know, and it's like, all right, guys, relax. So, tell me. What actually inspired you to want to pursue financial advice and what is it about that that inspires you to help others and how do you actually, because you've got a different perspective on how to apply financial advice in a, in a greater, greater sense, right? So, can yeah. you tell us a little bit about that? Okay. Yeah, there's a few questions in that. But for the sake that what I do with my clients is effectively an extension of my own journey, um, it began for me clearly at 17. I had a picture in my mind of what I wanted to do in the world. Um, I actually saw this really old school documentary called The Corporation. Do you ever see that? No. Um, it's worth it. It's kind of like a bit against the machine of the the beast of the West, you know, like the corporations of this world are ruining our lives. And it, it paints this picture that if a corporation was truly a person, which in legal sense they are, they're yeah. referred to a person, then they would be a, a psychopath because um, they kind of have disregard for anything that's human and they only really try and make money. And, and that was very much the tone. 2007, I think it was. Anyway, it was um, it was an eye opener. I was probably a bit more socialist at the time, um, more than I'm now, at least. And um, and I I felt at least tugged towards wanting to do something different, wanting to be a difference in the world. Um, the desire to make that difference stemmed from my values, and my faith, growing up. But there was something specific to it. I had this image of creating a new style of business, which was um, definitely very connected with community, very focused on your team being like a family, um, in, interacting with your clients as if they're also an extension of that family, and then having a primary objective of doing good in the world. At that point, I had no idea that B Corporation exists or that there were various movements around the place who'd, who'd been doing this for decades. In fact, really? there's always, always been businesses who've been genuinely trying to help people primarily and also make a profit. 
to help them get there. That makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. So what are your values? You said you wanted to create a business in line with your values. What, what are your values in a nutshell? Yeah, my personal values, very much on growth and truth. They're probably the key things that come to mind. Um, I think love and truth are inseparable sides of the same coin, but I probably spend my time looking at the truth side of the coin, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, definitely a sense of connectedness. Um, I, I naturally probably withdraw from connection for various reasons from my upbringing, um, but I found that I thrive when I can have heartfelt, intimate and authentic connection. Uh, something I have to push myself for, but it's just the environment I thrive in. I think every human does as well. Um, and then... Like I, I'm, I'm a Christian, so my faith comes into it a lot. And for me, the best way to explain what my faith is, it's a, a desire to take my own responsibility for what I have and then to emulate the characteristics of God on this earth so that I can bring the kingdom of heaven into this world. Um, kingdom of heaven being all the things that are good, you know, truth, love, peace, um, all the things that pretty much everyone would want to have manifest in my body, manifest in my mind, in my works, and then hopefully replicated into the world around me. Yeah, totally. And I think that that I think that that definition of that definition of God is in line with I think a broader definition of uh, spirituality, connectedness, and oneness, and and everything like that. So I, I I resonate with that too. So okay, that's great. So you wanted to create a business that was in line with those values, so that you could serve other people and and uh, love them with truth as much as possible. What what's money got to do with it? Like, is, is is money like everyone talks about? Everyone everyone wants, and I'm sure a lot of people come to you to get financial yeah. advice because they're like, I want more money. I want to be happier. I want to I want to be more successful, and I want to have a better life. And the key to that is more money. Is that right? Look, at first it kind of is. Like I I would say no in the past, but the truth is, people come to me for that reason, and we talk about money the whole way through our interaction. So I can't lie and say that it's not. But deep down, there's a part of me that wants to believe it's not about money at all. Um, what I've come to learn recently is that anything that we want to do in the world um, is a real testing point for what's now hard or what's in the spirit. Because the spirit and the tangible are totally interlinked. And you can't spend your whole life just in Zen mode thinking about like Nirvana. It just doesn't do anything for the world. But you also can't live your whole life just making stuff all the time. You've got to be connected to something greater. And so in terms of me, like I use that word manifest, which is a pretty like a weird word, but for me, that's what the interaction is all about. It's about having a certain way of being in the way I live and then making sure that it expresses itself in life. So for example, if I want to be generous, I believe it requires generosity in heart and mind. And that needs to not just manifest into how I spend my time with people. I think it needs to bleed into my finances. Same, I could say the same thing about, you know, in terms of assisting or caring for others, you know, yep. being able to help productively. You want to help in various ways of life. Now, I've got a few friends who, for example, want to donate their time, but they don't want to give their money because they don't think that money is such an important part of life, right? Um, they're, they're like, no, there's, there's more meaningfulness. I, I want to use my money for simple stuff and then I'll use my time for other things. I get that. I don't think there's a bad point in that, but I just think there's more. Um, I think that the way our, our world works, this is more a bit of philosophy, right? The world is highly pinged upon the financial system, the monetary system. And if you, you've got to understand the history of it to understand why. Back before like even mainstream barter took place, all you really had was yourself and your skills and maybe your family or clan. Then as barter started to take place, there became a marketplace where you can exchange your skills for other things. And all of a sudden, you can access way more. This is before most technology existed. The economy actually gave rise to almost all innovation and invention that we have. So it's an incredible gift that we have. 
Um, obviously, it's got its ills and its challenges, but we've worked on them and we've improved the monetary system to the point where now I would say it's an incredible tool that almost anyone has access to. Um, even people born into poverty have the ability in most cases to work their way through that, get on top of their situation and more importantly, wield influence over the, all the rest of the people in the world through the monetary system. Um, I think some of the ramifications of that in the present are that most connection in our communities relies upon finances. So, for example, when you need something, rather than having to build a friendship with the person next door and ask for their lawnmower, you'll probably hop online and find an app that is sort of designed to share a lawnmower across the street. You don't even have to meet the guy that owns it. You just pay a fee and you get access to that lawnmower. So instead of trading relationship for assets or goods, we're now trading finances for goods in almost every sense. There's almost nothing you can't pay for, obviously. Do you think that's a good or a bad thing though? Because because you, there's, cool. a couple, there's a couple of things to unpack there. I, I quite enjoyed that. But the, the economics or the economy is the seed of innovation. You know, I'd agree with that. And and that, that money is essentially what is what fuels pretty much all of our interaction. But do you think right. that that's do you think that, that has become a bad thing or do you think that, that is in essence, good because it will fuel not only innovation in in economy and industry and everything, but innovation in spirit and innovation in connectedness as well. Do you think it has the potential to corrode our human self or to enhance it? Both, for sure, both. I, I wouldn't know how to pin it good or bad. My disposition looks for the good, so I'd say it's good, but someone else's disposition could see the ills. Um, because it's just a tool. It's like a knife. Is a knife a good or a bad thing? Like put it in the hands of a chef. It's an amazing thing. Put it in the hands of a murderer or you don't want to be near that person, right? Mm. Um, it's a bit like money in that sense. Money is neutral. It's charge neutral, but it's it's way more amplified now. So for example, anyone our age, people who come to see me, they have to be very intentional to build community. If we're not focusing on our relationships and also community interactions, on a regular basis, like each year I do a mentoring map. I work out who in my life is a peer, who's like a peer mentor, who, who am I investing into, who's like a legitimate mentor and who's someone that I'm like just very focusedly trying to nurture and grow, not just my kids, but, you know, mm. people in the world. And if, I don't, if I'm missing parts of my life where I have those types of relationships, both peers, mentors and, and people I mentor, then I'm going to be lacking wealth and, and a kind of that connection I was talking about in my world. And very few people that I share that model with of my clients have ever have ever thought about really auditing or planning their relationships. You know, the, the more extroverted, gregarious types will probably do it naturally in the places they're comfortable. And then the more introverted types probably don't do it very much. But none of us do it very intentionally. And that's a shame because, as I said, the, um, the financial world means we don't really need that relationship like we used to. I'm a firm believer that the reason marriage or divorce rates are increasing so much is because you don't need to be together anymore. Like the, the whole economy is built yeah. for an individual to exist, which is kind of nice. Like I, as I said, I'm an optimist, so I love the freedom of that. I love that it means you can do what you like. But I believe there are still timeless traditional values that are worth pursuing. And I think they're consistent for every human. And once you recognize that, you then have to work really hard to make sure you can reap the benefits of this beautiful financial model, but then not disregard the, the more important things as well. Yeah, totally. I, I, totally. I would also go as far as to say that I think you said that uh, money is uh, essentially neutrally charged. And yeah. I would actually say that it's a magnifier. 
right and, you know it Let's will ab- it will absolutely amplify. yeah if yeah it'll magnify if if you're a bad person it'll magnify that if you're if you're disrespectful of money that'll get amplified whenever you get it and all of that kind of stuff as well so how do you, how do you wind this in with like you, you spoke then about you know creating a creating a map and a plan of uh, you know relationships how they relate to money peers all of that kind of stuff you're essentially talking about creating a whole life plan is that right yeah definitely because so, money amplifies everything in your life like you, you give a, a relatively nice person a lot of money and not only will they get the media's attention on them it's sadly the case these days um, mm-hmm. but any elements of their character which are flawed or are struggling are going to amplify and you see this oftentimes when people who've never had wealth and typically have a, a, a pretty average character suddenly win a lottery or something like that it can kill them man that money can blow up their deepest insecurities, their addictions, and they can yeah. just go down dark roads. And, and that's kind of an extreme case, but we see it all the time. So to, to your question, I see money as both a doorway into people's hearts, but then also it's an arena within which we can focus on something practical, measurable, tangible, but at the same time work on the underlying, like pretty much basis of someone's character. So when we're building someone's financial plans we can't even start it until we look at their life plans because whatever they want to do with their money has to stem from what they want to do and be as a person and that's the introduction to the life planning conversation okay so so how much does how much does their personality or their their person dictate what their life plan is going to look like what's that interrelationship like oh that's a cool question um so you and i chat about personality we're both pretty keen on this topic Um, not everyone is but i just find it so useful um, for everyone as well. And and our clients who are reticent or uncertain about it, as soon as they've done the model, they always find the use. It's always very useful. Some of them don't love it, but like, cool, I'm glad I know. Others are like, oh man, I want more. So how does it affect their life plan? Look, we say that personality influences everything and dictates nothing because personality is a preference. Like it's kind of the best example is right or left-handed. You can be right-handed and use your left hand for everything. You probably won't. Like you'll forget every now and then. But if you try it and you really want to, yeah, you could. There's nothing because there's nothing stopping you. It's just that you prefer it. So if you zoom out and you watch someone for like three weeks, especially when they're subconsciously acting a lot of the time, because most of our lives, man, we're on we're in program mode, right? We're just mm-hmm. in the autopilot. We're probably going to play out whatever the preference is. It's kind of a, a case of probability. So. If you're mindful of what your leanings are, your tilts, your biases slash preferences, that's what personality is, then you can anticipate what you're most likely to do in any given event. And you can also work with that and go, well, look, I actually also enjoy it when I'm in my preference because it's what I prefer. So if I can build my life plan around my preferences and I know what they are, all the better for me and probably all the better for the results. So, okay. So, so let me pose this question to you. So I am a very different personality to Gabby, my partner, who right. you've also met, right? I'm a very different personality, but our life is together. So how do you, how do you create congruence between two, two, I mean, essentially I would say relatively opposed personalities in a certain way, just, you know, I'm more extroverted, she's more introverted and a whole bunch of characteristics. But how do you how do you define congruence between uh, two different personality types and how that might relate to building a life plan that is going to be fulfilling for everyone involved? Wow. Okay. So that question can go a few ways. Like there's people who are in a relationship and they want to work out how to make it work, and then there's those who are kind of on the cusp of the relationship, trying to go like, is this the right way to go? 
right? Mm. Um, so I'm going to answer your question from where you're standing in a relationship. You committed. You guys are doing. Oh this, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. We're keeping this thing going, right? So yeah. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not. I'm not one. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not questioning. We're good. We're good. <laughs> good on you, man. No, that's awesome. Not many people yeah. are in that. Well, I shouldn't say that. There's less and less people willing to make that call these days, and and forthrightly call it right. Um, I'm proud of you. I, I'm I'm stoked. I, I, that's one of my main personal missions is to inspire people to do that, and then also help them do it well. Just so you know. Nice. So, um, how how can you do it? So there's um, there's two things to bear in mind that personality differences um, have both their good and their bad. We we use uh, we've got a metric. We we kind of assess what the the degree of difference is going to be in two personalities. It's quite a cool thing to do, um, and you get a score which is your explosive score. That's kind of like the friction between the two. Obviously, the more explosive, kind of the more challenging. That's one way to put it. The more interesting, like, interesting, interesting. <laughs> and then you've also got the synergy score, and they're very correlated. So the higher your explosive score, typically the higher the synergy score. There's a couple of variants to it. Um, so you can have a, a couple that. Um, are very chill with one another. Just sort of like my brother and his partner are a lot like this. It's beautiful to see, man. They're, they're kind of like a really lovely couple. I know a lot of people are jealous of them because they just mm. love each other so much and they get along so well and they do so much together. Um, and this synergy is it's kind of okay. Like they, they can work well together, but they don't enhance each other's weaknesses very well. They kind mm. of empower each other's weaknesses and they kind of like play to their strengths a lot. So they're great at some things and they're kind of just not, not focused on others. So, so it ends up going to extremes, right? So the good bits get gooder yeah. <laughs> like, and, the, and, the, and the bad bits get badder. You just, just kind of ignore good. them because you can, you can kind of... <laughs> like, that's a nice way to live. If that's what you're looking for, then, you know, pick someone who's got that similarity. Obviously, attraction is highly correlated to different... Do you think you get to pick or do you think that, do you think that love picks you? I didn't. I, I didn't pick. Well, sorry, I shouldn't say that. I, I decided, I think everyone decides, but do we pick what we're lent towards? Not, not, no, like we didn't pick our personalities either. We've got preferences. Um, you can tweak your preferences, but they kind of got a bent to them. I think there's another layer though, and I wouldn't forecast this on anyone else, but I really genuinely feel called to my wife. And there's a, a whole set series of like cool, very quirky and cute, divinely inspired events, which I could share stories about, which kind of justify it from my point of view. Um, and it was, it was mutual. I, I didn't tell her that God told me to marry her, by the way. Um, <laughs> it was, it was very, in fact, if anything, she said something similar to that before I did, but I had to pursue her for two and a half years. It was like, it was a long slog to get to You're a, a mission. open to it. It was a mission. And without that sense of calling, I wouldn't have pursued the mission, not at all. Like it was hard. It was fun, but it was hard work, and it's been ten times, hundred times harder ever since. Um, but I, yes, I a I felt called, b I felt attracted, and then most importantly, c I decided, and I've decided every day since then to stick with it, and we'll continue to decide that until I die. Yeah, I think I think I think I think it's a I think it's a big one. It is a decision, you know. It is a decision yeah. to 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 love someone deeply is great, but to make a decision that you are going to commit to them to 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 be entwined on a on a soul level is is huge. It's awesome because the feedback loop is, I think, where people put their focus. It's like, how am I feeling? Am I in love? Man, not everyone focuses on this, but a lot of people these days, a lot of media I read focuses on the feedback loop, and 
you actually can influence that feedback loop a lot. I'm sure you've found that, right? Like there are yeah. times where you've, you've lost that kind of zing and you've made decisions to bring it back, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, 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 like people are, people are insanely in control of their world and, and whatever you want in life or you can create and you can manifest, as you said earlier. You can literally... One of the greatest things I think to, that anyone could ever learn is that they can literally have whatever they want. They just need to decide what that is. Wow, that's a powerful idea. Yeah. It's true though, right? And, and, I, and I would challenge you to, to disprove it. You can literally have whatever you want in life as long as the caveat is you just need to decide what that is. And that's, I think, where a lot of people don't get there. They just go, mau, mau, and they just never make that decision. But if you just decide and go, okay, my decision is that I'm going to have this, I'm going to be this, or I'm going to do this, in that moment, that's where the truth starts to unfold. So my, I'm, I'm curious about your view on this one. Where do you feel the, the price tag comes in? Because if that was true and you could do it to anything, you just do it all the time and it would happen all the time, right? So obviously there's some level of resistance. So like, how, how much of a cost does it take to really get what you want in life? Well, I, 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 so the thing to that is uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to depend on how much you want it, right? So if you really want something, right? So if I really wanted to be a brain surgeon, if that is actually what I really wanted, not just what I sort of wanted, not, not what I thought would be nice, not what would be kind of cool and maybe get me a good car, but if that is what I truly wanted and I decided to do that, then I would do that. And that would, there would be almost no friction, right? Because that would be, that would be where you're going mm. and that's it. But that's the point is that I think a lot of people, people might say, oh, I want to, I want to read um, 50 books this year. It's like, yeah, but I want to sleep. I in, <laughs> yeah. But I want to sleep in a little bit more, but, I, but I want to like, but, I, and like, but you just got to decide what you really want. And yeah. this is the bit. What, what do you really want? Like a lot of people might say, look, I want to go and I want to go and build a 10 property portfolio, for example. And it's like, do you really want that? Or is that just an idea that you think is good? Yeah. And, and there's a big distinction there because if you re- whatever you really want, if you make a decision to go and get it, you will get. And I don't think that there's an amount of friction that will stop you from doing that if it is what you really want. And there's a calling piece in there as well. Does that make sense? Oh, totally. And I, I'm, I'm so glad you shared that. So this is one of the arenas of the work that we do. You asked a bit before about how to how we build a life plan or what is it that we do. Mm. Um, and that's kind of the first part. It's first creating the awareness of exactly what you shared, that we are powerful beings, able to do way more than we ever imagined. But there's methods and mechanisms that we haven't been tapping into and most of us are not trained how to do this right mm. very few of us had parents who role modeled this or mentors who we, we have pursued to to show this but it it's something that you can only really learn by watching someone else do it or by being inspired to do it yourself and so the skills that we've been developing are to help someone go on that journey of a identifying or unearthing what they do desire and then helping to i guess pull it out so that it's strong enough and they connect with it enough to genuinely then pursue it because as you say once you've got that clarity on what it is and it is actually what you really want and you've kind of amplified or enhanced that desire or need or want um then there's no question of you getting it the the sort of like technical thing that we do for clients after that is we help them with the strategy of how to get there which i think is exactly what you do and you know we're, we're 
kind of quasi-nerds. We're quasi-philosophers and psychologists, but we're quasi-techie spreadsheet nerds as well to come up with various strategies. Correct, yeah. We're, we're completely, um, so more, more so than you guys, we're ambivalent to the strategy. We can work yeah. with any strategy. Um, you know, property is one of the main ones in Australia. I'd say 90% of people that make significant wealth do it in property in Australia or thereabouts. Um, business is the second most likely. Um, a lot of people don't make wealth in business. They just have a bit of fun and, you know, drain their batteries. Um, but if you want to make a lot of wealth, in theory, business is the most successful way to do it. It's just very few people really pursue it the smartest way. I think property is easier in some regards. Yeah. Um, and then finally, the, the last category is kind of the traders, those who kind of, you know, build portfolios and that sort of thing. But it's a very particular um, personality of someone who enjoys the the analysis. The, you the mean stock, stock, stock trading? Stock trading, yeah, yeah. any sort of trading, really commodities, whatever. There's a lot of things yeah. you can buy and sell. Um, and, and we see those three as the hands-on strategies and ways to build wealth. Um, mm. There's also the outsource strategies as well, and there's, there's a plethora of them. You know, your typical... Um, app that invests for you, you know, things like Spaceship or Raise, these sort of guys, um, or just like you set up a, an account on uh, on an exchange platform, Comsec or SelfWealth, and you just create your own, you know, investment portfolio. So index funds like Vanguard, would that be would that be outsourced? Typically. Look, you can trade a Vanguard fund. You can buy and sell it every day, but no one does that, right? No, you, why you, would you? You typically trade individual stocks. Um, well, if, if you've got a strategy, the point with strategy is it doesn't matter what it is as long as it works. And so that's how we approach the financial realm. We, we focus a lot on that first conversation of who are you and what do you really want in life? And that takes some time to build that picture. Um, and then once we've got it clear, um, including where they want to be in the future, the milestones, the particular goals in the short term, their value set, which influences their decisions, their beliefs and all the things we're working on in the meanwhile, then it's like, okay, of the millions of routes that we can take to get you to your destination, what's going to be the smartest and the most enjoyable? Yeah. So, so with that though, like if, if there is an infinitesimal uh, amount of potential variations to get one person from where they are now to where they want to be, and you're completely uh, strategically ambivalent and there are so like, it's literally an infinite number of potential ten, like tangential aspects how how do you, how do you take that from some esoteric uh, intellectual acid trip down to like hey here's the straight line and it's from there to there how do you do that <laughs> it's a great question um, and it's not a secret either um, because it's really simple once you understand how the process works it it comes down to focusing on the life plan because in the same sense that um, you know, people want fulfillment in life. Mm. A lot of people go looking for their purpose, hoping that they'll understand their identity better at the end of it, and then maybe they'll feel fulfilled. That's that, I think I've noticed that sort of vibe. Whereas it goes the other way around. You you don't go looking for purpose at all. You just dig deep into your identity, find out who you are, what you are. You're a human being. What does it mean that you're a human? How does your emotional system work? How does your psychology work? What are you as a spirit? What are you as a body? How does your muscular system work? What's your personality like? What were your beliefs growing up? How do you in interpret the world? What are your worldviews? How do you interpret politics and all these other things? Once you understand all of that, including your values, um, then your purpose will naturally flow in the same sense that once you know that this object in front of you is a hammer, what's its purpose? Oh, hitting things. How did you know that? Because I know it's a hammer. Hammers hit things you know, like knock them in or whatever. If, if it was a, a knife, they cut things. So the, the purpose of that object flows from its identity. And that's the case with everything. 
And so if we focus too much on the purpose or fulfillment part or the, the happiness or the joy, but we don't focus on the, the only important part of the meal, it's, it's not just the meat and the burger. It's the whole burger, man. Your identity is the beginning and the end. So your, your desires, your strengths, your inclinations, your experiences, what's available to you, the opportunities, they all flow from your identity, your, your true identity, right? So once you know that explicitly clear, then you don't need much help from us as an advisor. You do need some help because what we do is we take the complexity and break it down into macro categories and you work out which of, like you, you can break it down to A, B options. Which of these two do you like? Oh, I like that one. Okay, within that, let's zoom in a bit. Which of these two do you like? Oh, I like that one. Okay, let's zoom in a bit. And you kind of just do that. And you just map it out. There's a lot of education that's required as people jump into new boxes. It's like, whoa, what's this all about? I don't even know what the options mean. Okay, well, this means this, and that means this, and here's an education module. Oh, that was interesting. Okay, well, I like this one. Good, let's do that. Well, let's introduce you to someone else who's doing that. Let's find out what parts of it you like the most. Oh, I really like the way that they did that. You know, he's he's become an entrepreneur and he got he, he did the FIRE, you know, um, financially independent yeah. and by 30. I really want to do that. Um, and he did it through business, not through property. Mm. I, I like the, the 30 thing, but I don't want to do business. Maybe I want to be more of a property guy. Oh, you should speak to Goose. Do you know what I mean? Like you, you got to, it, it's kind of a jump between education and then interfacing with reality, mostly through people. It sounds so fun. It's so fun, man. It's the best job in the world. It sounds so fun. Like, you're, like this, you're, you're a guide who gets the privilege of going on the event. And you're like growing up, you always used to wish you could work at a theme park because you're yeah. always on rides. That's how I feel. I feel like I'm at the theme park of my dreams, constantly doing the rides with my clients. Mm. Yeah, I think uh, obviously to a, to a lesser degree because we we do have a we do have a strategic angle, right? But I I that's the that I would say that is the piece that I enjoy the most about what we do as well is going okay, cool. There are well, there are tr- a tremendous variety of different ways you can invest in real estate and tactics and strategies and should I renovate for profit or should I do this or should I? Have to, and it's like okay, going okay. Well, where are you and where are you going? And why are you going there? And is that what you really want? And if that is the case, based on where you're at now, these are some options and how are we going to do this? Maybe it doesn't make sense to jump straight to a development. Maybe we need to do something a little different and kind of going on that path and helping people to understand that flow. Because I I think that you can ultimately get to wherever you want to go, but it's the flow that you're going to take to get there. I I think that's where a lot of people break. And I'm probably sure you've probably seen the same thing is they'll go, I think that if I want to get from here to here, I need to do this when actually that piece in the middle is not aligned with maybe where they are. Maybe it's not the right fit for their, for their journey. And at the end of the day, they, if they try and do that, they'll end up breaking and not getting to the destination at the end anyway, which is very sad. I agree. And to your credit, I think you picked a great space to do it in because like mm-hmm. 90% of the time, people use property anyway. So you, you're hitting the mark for the majority of people. But it's a very versatile space. Like mm-hmm. property is what we live in. I mean, I, I don't need to sell you why you're doing a good thing, I guess. But <laughs> I think to your credit, like the people have tried to do what you're doing in a very myopic category like share trading. And um, like, you know, the Saturday seminars you can go to, like the all-day free buy a five grand upgrade sort of set seminar. The guys who do, um, you know, like options trading or things like that, yeah. they probably, a lot of them, not a lot of them, some of them um, have, have their value set right and are really trying to do what you and I are doing. Mm. Um, and that's their, that's their pond. They know that world really well. And if you fit the bill, then you're great for them. 
Where I see them typically go wrong is they try and oversell it because I really believe that trading doesn't map to more than 5% of the population. I've, I've tried to make it work various times because I enjoy it. Personally, I do actually trade and I've floated it with a bunch of clients. And every time we've tasted the waters, it's really clear when there's not for them. You know, I even push it a bit, but then they'll, they'll pull back. So I've learned my lessons. Um, but yeah, you're in, a, you're in a pond which is very palatable and almost everyone is going to be right for the property. It's great, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fun. It's fun. So tell me then. So we basically, so I really like what you said there. Purpose flows from identity, which mm. made me, which made me go, oh my god, hang on a second. Am I thinking about? Am I? Hang on. What is my identity, and is that is that in line with my purpose? How do you? How do people? How can people kind of um, click those two things together, and how can they start to think about that now? If someone was listening to this right now, how, yeah. what kind of questions could they ask themselves? to help them understand if they're on the right track in line with their, their, their purpose and their identity. And I've got another question to follow up on that, but I'm going to hit you with that one and see if you can answer that. Okay, cool. So um, it depends where they're at in their journey as to how they tackle that question. Um, but I'll, I'm going to break it down to two different scenarios. There's a, a bunch of people who aren't so clear on their identity um, because their personality preference has been very much about the rest of the world. They're always focused on what we call the tribe. So if you had to delineate between tribe or self, um, you know, we have to care about both. If you just only focus on the rest of the world, you don't feed yourself when you die. If you only care about yourself, then you end up getting hit in the head by someone that hates you and you die as well. So you've got to be able to play both games, but we're always biased towards one or the other. And there are some people, you might know them um, in your life, who only focus on the tribe to their own detriment. <laughs> yep. They're the ones who struggle with this the most because they don't have a strong sense of their identity. Um, they neglect the conversation, and when it comes up, it kind of irks them. It's an uncomfortable time. They have a lot of, like, we all have insecurities, but they have a lot of insecurities they haven't even unpacked. They don't process. They typically don't process their own internal junk, whether emotions or, or logic, very well. Um, and so they, they definitely need help, kind of like a bit of TLC, to guide them through that conversation. Um, just for lack of exposure, even in their 30s. Like you'd think by 30 you would have thought this stuff through a bit, but some people haven't. I mean, I, I think you get people who are in their 60s and 70s have never even thought about this, right? Like, yeah. like, how many people do you think actually go through this process of actually trying to work out, work out, are they even on the right track? Because I mean, I would go, I mean, I'm plucking a made up statistic, but like, seems like 90% or more of people in life are just bumbling along, letting life happen to them rather yeah. than deciding what they want out of it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a sliding scale, but I, I agree with you. You know, you got to put a line somewhere. Um, to, to that point, I've sadly chosen not to focus on the older demographic. I used to work with them as an official financial advisor, um, and I used to try and dip these conversations in into the mix um, to very limited success, man. And that's a credit to my my inexperience at the time and I didn't grow up with my grandparents. Um, I, I've never really connected deeply with the older generation. Mm. even though my parents are quite old. Um, I feel like I'm getting that level of understanding and empathy now, but very slowly. I, I have very little confidence to help a 65-year-old find their purpose compared to a 30-year-old. And there's a lot of reasons for that. But eventually, I want to be at that point where I feel that same confidence. I, I know that any 30-year-old comes to me who's looking for their purpose. I can partner with them or find it within a very short period of time. And I want to build that confidence for an older person. Yeah, that, that, that makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, yeah, because you've then got to apply based on your personality and your purpose where you can have the most impact as well. 
Yeah, and that's part of what I'm saying. The other part is I think there's a lot of a lot more baggage and a lot more like just generational mindsets to deal with. Yeah. Um, it's much harder work. Um, so back to the original question, for someone yep. who doesn't have that clarity on their identity, um, hopefully you're not 65. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, don't come listening to me. There's other people to listen to. If you're 30 or 40 or 45 or, or even 50, then, um, yeah, look, there's, there's a couple of cool things you can do. Um, do you want practicals? Yeah, man. Give, some, give us some takeaways. Okay, cool. So um, in terms of like done-for-you online programs and stuff, there's a really great one um, done by a gentleman called Jordan Peterson. I'm, I'm guessing you would have come across that man before. Yeah. Um, he's, he's a great philosopher, thinker, and psychologist, um, very focused on helping you work out who you are and what to do in life. It's all about sort of life guidance. Um, and he's created a, a, an online writing tool pretty much um, called the Future Authoring Suite. Um, or the future authoring program. It costs like 20 bucks. It's, it's kind of like you, you pay and then you just answer all these questions, but it, it forces you to think about what's the life you would love to live. And then also what's the life that you would hate to live? Like what's the worst you can imagine your life getting based off your biases and your habits and your faults and those sorts of things. And you've got to build both those pictures, both of which are very useful. I don't think you focus just on one. You want to do both. You also identify what your goals are, where you're at, you reflect on yourself. It's just, it's really creating a space for you to do some of that introspection, which you might not have done or you might not have enjoyed or you've never even tried before. Um, and that's just a simple online DIY. Um, we've got a couple of tools which we're still building. Like we use tools with our clients that we're interacting with. We've got nothing that's done for you. Um, the alternative is to sit down with someone like us or a life coach or a mentor and say, hey, I want to understand what makes me tick. Um, personality models are a really great way to start. Um, so we use a, a model called objective personality, um, but a lot of the personality models will help. That's one key thing. Seeing a psychologist, just whether you, you think you messed up or not, doesn't matter. Go see them. Mm. Engage yourself in a series of 10 sessions. Maybe your EAP program at work will offer you one for free. A lot of people don't know that they got a free EAP program, right? Yeah, totally. And just on that as well, I think that's a really interesting point because a lot of people have got a stigma about going to a, 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 a psych yeah, a yeah. shrink, right? <laughs> but they'll pay a lot of attention to their physical health. Right? They'll, yeah. Maybe they'll go to the gym five days a week or maybe not. Maybe just might go for a walk once a week, whatever the case may be. But they'll be, they'll be very cognizant of that. They'll be very – because you can kind of see like if you're getting a little round in the middle and you'll be like, oh, okay. But no one pays the same amount of attention to the to the mental health and the intellectual health. Mm. And so a lot of people will go and get a personal trainer. Now, now, if you ask someone when was the last time you exercised, it's probably going to say – even if they don't exercise much, they'll probably be, say, within the last week, right? Yeah, of course. If you said some, and that's for physical physical exercise. When was the last time you went and got a, like a, a when was the last time you went to the doctor and got a checkup? When was the last time you went and focused on your mental health mm. and thought about it from that perspective, from the same mm. physiological dynamic? And a lot of people don't. Um, I think it's fantastic. I, I periodically, um, period, and it's not something I do regularly, but it's like periodically every few years I'll be like, hang on a second. I haven't done any checkups in there for a little while. What's going on? And then yeah, right. <laughs> go and have a little dig. But anyway, we can get going. It's good that you mentioned it and not Gabby. It means you're ahead of the game. <laughs> you don't want to be coming from that side, right? No, yeah, totally, totally. Um, look, it, it's invaluable. And the reason it's invaluable is because our – I mentioned programming before, right? Mm. I don't know if you see it the same way, but we run very much on programs. Like I said, we're mostly on our autopilot. When we're not, I don't think we're in a program. I believe there's a part of us that does have free will and ability to decide, and that's a complex space of consciousness. But um, maybe 90% of the time, we keep using this statistic. Let's just run with 90%, right? Every 90%, stat is 90%. Every stat is 90%. 90%. <laughs> 
so 90% of the time we're, we're just on autopilot. So it matters what the programming is. And the, the scary thing is when people re- recognize this, we didn't decide the programming. Our um, kind of our upbringing, you know, our, our constructed environment decided, mostly our parents, primarily our role models. Um, but then there's a crossing point where somewhere, who knows where, somewhere between 12 and 22, we go from being almost completely out of control of our programming to almost fully in control of our programming. And so this is the annoying part that we, we all start with a random assortment of programming. Um, and that's where we feel it's unfair. I didn't choose to be like um, maybe angry every time someone does this or you know respond to this in that way. But we do choose if we change that or not. Like you kind of referred to this before. We got a, a lot of control over our world. Um, but to do that, you have to first understand what's happened. What's the current programming? It's kind of like a fact line. What's going on? What's the current state? Okay, how do we then reprogram the mind? It's, yeah. it's not a, an impossible thing to do, but it is a difficult thing to do. And a, a psychologist is kind of like a professional that does that. They help mm. you reprogram your mind. I, I, I would uh, I would throw another little thing into the mix there. Um, Psycho-Cybernetics by Maxwell Maltz. Oh, I'm not familiar with that. Oh, that is that's the basically the foundational book. Anyone who's listening to this, I highly, highly recommend it. It was kind of the foundational book that explored the idea between um, the psyche being uh, being the operating system, the programmatic operating system for the cybernetic body self, the mechanical body, and how yeah. and how by changing your programming, you can change your literally change your entire world. Right. So it was the foundational work for right. that that kind of spark people like Jim Rohn um, and Tony Robbins and all of that kind of stuff. It's really about um, mastering your mind and mental imagery and and changing your operating system and, and changing your world. And it's hugely impactful. It's not wow. some it's not some wishy washy motivational book. It's written by a it's written by a professor. It's very like studious, but it is also immense, immense, immensely uh, important work. So yeah, I reckon check it out. So I think it's kind of resonating. sounds like a great place to start as well because a lot of people who either get intimidated by the mind or who just aren't that interested um, mm. find that they get really into physical things that influence the mind. You know, like these sort of gimmicks where when you're feeling sad, you look, tilt your head up and put your eyes up higher in your, your eye sockets and try and feel as sad as you were. And it literally shifts things, you know? There's a lot of stuff like that. Even just shifting your shoulders back and standing more upright, it naturally makes you feel more confident. And like you, you can read the research of why that is biologically, or you can just do it and go, oh, that's awesome. Like there's a reason why Tony Robbins spends like, what, four hours out of his 12-hour days pretty much jumping up and down on the spot <laughs> before yeah, he then yeah, talks, yeah, yeah. right? Because um, it works. He's, he's a guru at finding things that are effective. Like him or hate him, he's a genius and he finds stuff that works. And, and he does it. So, yeah, like our physiology is so linked with the brain. Yeah. Totally, totally. So, mate, I wanna, I'm mindful of time and I want to ask you something. Um, I know we've covered a lot and there's probably a few unanswered questions in, in amongst all this as is well. Is there any red threads in everything we've said? <laughs> mate, it's good. It's good. We've gone, we've gone well. I think it's going to be super impactful. But um, I want to know from your perspective, what are the, um, what are the core drivers of – what are the core drivers? Of, I mean, I was going to say like, you know, the spirit or purpose or whatever, but the core drivers of, of, of the human um, journey. Oh, what a beautiful question. Um, so I see three things. Um, and obviously these three things are all infinitely deep, but I would say um, love, truth, and beauty are the things that we need, crave, and exist within. Um, so we, we desire love on the spectrum of sameness. That's the connection you're talking about, the oneness. Um, and love is important 
or sorry, love exists because of the difference. So truth is all about the, like, this is what this is and this is what that is. And these two things have some dissonance between them. Like you don't need truth. Everything is the same, right? Things just are. So truth helps to identify the difference. Um, love then helps to bridge that gap and to bring a connection between the difference. And that's why I see them as two sides of the same coin. So for example, some people very much focus on what things are and that's not right and get very argumentative. <clears throat> they need a little bit more truth, a love in their life to be able to go, you know what, whether it's right or wrong, I want to help connect with your heart right now. And in our marriages, that's probably like from my point of view, that's the one thing I can work on a bit more, to be honest. Um, and on the flip side, those who are very naturally focused on the connection and they'll disregard reality and ignore things or, or kind of neglect the, the value of things, they need to put a bit more importance on the truth side. But even if you're focusing on the two, I think there's another facet which only in the past few years have I realized it. It's, a, it's almost similar to love, beauty, but... It, beauty speaks to the the wonder of the world. You know, like when, particularly when you, you've had just like a, a rough day, but you managed to get out to a beautiful headland or a spot. We live in the northern beaches of Sydney, so it's an incredible place for doing this sort of thing, especially in winter. You get these immaculate sunsets. Um, and you watch something just with your eyes, so your eyes taken in display. And it's not just a picture. It's not like anything else you see in that day. It does something to your whole spirit, to your body, and then it sticks with you, this sense of wonder, something greater. And I think that leads to a connection with the divine, for sure. Um, but beauty is more than that. Beauty also helps us to, I guess, feel inspired to grow and to improve. Um, because as soon as you, you know, you're on like a dirty street, right? As soon as you do up one of the houses, I'm interested if you've seen this. Everyone on that street now sees this one beautiful house compared to everything else. They'll either trash it down and make it just as junk as everything else or they will start mowing their lawn like you, you can't just constantly see this beauty and then see the comparison which it, beauty makes other things look ugly right be beauty 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 only exists in contrast right well that's that's a really good point it's a really really solid point um and, and which speaks to the difference and, and it's, it's nice because it does both the sameness and the difference and i think a lot about that those two spectrums that everything in life pulls itself together through sameness and difference. Um, my, my, my good mate is a believer that everything is the same and there's no difference. And I get that. I, I like that perspective sometimes, but I think you only get the full weight of things when you can do both. Um, and that's why when you look at your preferences and your personalities, um, you can't just lean on one side. You can't just play to your strength for your preference. You have to be able to play the both. Mm -hmm. You know, the tribe and the self, um, being able to feel and to think being able to focus on all the details, but also pull together all the connections and all the patterns throughout them. You know what I mean? I do. I do. I do actually. I, I really do. And, um, but I've really enjoyed this conversation and we've definitely, we've definitely gone, to, we've definitely covered some really solid ground, I think. Or maybe uh, really ethereal ground, maybe not so solid. <laughs> I, I, no, I think it's, I think, I, you know, I think that um, the, the people listening to this podcast have a tendency to, to resonate with uh, much higher level thinking. And I think this is really going to help um, bring, um, Bring bring something to the conversation that happens around a lot of this stuff, as you know, around money and real estate. And it's often quite dry. Uh, it's quite dry, structured, and stiff kind of narratives around that. And I think yeah, that there's, a, I there's, that. A, there's a an important place. Um, not just a place, but an extremely important place to be having conversations like this around it so that people can have a greater connectivity to what they're even doing and why. Wow, that's a great point. 
Yeah, and can I share a message on that fact? You can. So for anyone listening to this who resonates with this type of conversation and perhaps doesn't feel that it's landed in their life yet, you know, we've said it, like both Goose and myself have shared a couple of practicals of what you can do. But the most important thing you can do is create a space in your life to have these sorts of conversations. Um, sometimes it just has to be with yourself. But um, for most of us, it's always better to do it with someone else. And um, I don't know if mentoring is a big part of the way you guys do business. Do, do you guys have mentoring relationships with your clients or do they you inspire? Yeah, yeah. Some, some. We have some advisory clients where, and we, we do obviously mentor people through the buying process and help them make the right decisions and stuff like that as opposed to being a purchasing service. So, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, like that, that's fresh. We need, we need more of that in our services in the world. But um, the, the art of mentoring um, is, is largely lost outside of the career environment. Mm. Um, but this is an area of life that you can spend a decade scrambling your way through the murky depths of who you are, um, or you can identify the right mentors and just fast track it, really, um, yeah. without skipping a beat. In fact, you get a better outcome by choosing the best mentors. And so, you know, I, I'm available as someone to chat with. And if you resonate with me, feel free to reach out to me. I'd love to have a chat. You know, we've got a really great free onboarding process. Um, but whether it's with myself or with Goose or someone else you know or respect, it could be an uncle. It could be just someone that you see in your life that, that what you really want to look for is who's got the fruit, who's exemplifying the life that, you know, when I, when I saw myself at age 17, I had this picture in my mind, right? What I thought I wanted to see. It was a bit vague, but it was enough of a picture to be able to start identifying who looked like they were doing something similar. And I found a few and I've been pursuing them for the last 15 years, um, more and more and more as the visions got clearer. And um, I know that any year I don't focus on mentors is a year I slow down. Mm -hmm. A year I have less to offer. And because I now charge the cl clients money to be in a mentoring relationship, um, not always, some of my mentoring relationships are free, but, but for a lot of the time when I charge for it, if I'm not constantly being input into and growing as a person, then that, that relationship is going to have a use by date on it. And I want to always be growing. Um, if not for my clients, then most importantly, I've got a little one. I've got a 20-month-old daughter who's amazing. And um, I know she's going to be incredible. I've got like 31 years on her. But if I don't play my cards right, in 20 years' time, she might outdo me. You know, <laughs> she, she might excel right past. So I've I got to keep up my game. And the only way I can do that is by investing into the right mentoring relationships. I 100% agree. I, I'm constantly building a tribe of mentors. And the way I think about mentors is you, no, one, no one person will exemplify all of the character traits that you want, right? right. So there's, there's an exercise. In fact, I'm going to be doing it today. Uh, it's called Owning the Traits of the Greats where you can – you can actually extract the traits that you want out of. It's a fascinating uh, exercise to do. I'm curious. Yeah, it's uh, it's a yeah, it's a it's pretty it's a little deep, a little deep for where we're at right now. But um, in any case, you can find someone that you might say, oh, "I really like how fit that person is," or maybe they're good at sport. Maybe they're good at sport, right? And you may go, I'm gonna go, "I want to be like that at their sporting ability," but you might not want to be like them in their relationship ability or their financial management or anything like that. So really looking at where those areas are that you want to grow and then finding yeah. people who for that piece, for that piece, and rather than rather than heroing someone going, hey, I, you know, for example, maybe it's a business, maybe a business mentor. Like, I like the way you do business and I want that business part and I don't really care about the I don't really care about your whether you go to the gym at five in the morning, right? I want that piece. But I, I'm constantly building a tribe of mentors. I think it's the best way to fast track where you're going and to give you bumper rails, right? Really, really you know, something I can speak for myself. I've I've I'm 
I want to race ahead in life and I, I want to mm. achieve a lot and I want to do all this stuff. And I'd really rather have someone have some bumper rails around me where I can be like, guys, am I doing this right? <laughs> and then and then they can help me stay on track. And I think it's super important. So on that note, um, and before we wrap up, if someone does want to reach out to you and they want to explore getting a whole life plan or some some financial advice or some mentoring or anything like that, how would they do that? Oh, cool. Thanks for asking. So myself and my business partner, Harry, we work very closely together. You're welcome to reach out to either me, Trishna Schieffer, or Harry Goldberg. Uh, our website's www.purposeadvisory.com.au, or you just Google us, obviously. Um, it's very easy to find us, but if you want to actually reach out, all you need to do is book a free intro call. The process is 20-minute intro call. We work out where you're at, what you want. Then another free session, but this one's a two-hour in-depth dive into your world. We do a very thorough sort of exploration of where things are working, where things are not, all the things you wanted to talk about, and then all the things you didn't want to talk about, we'll go there. Um, we'll identify a, a, a concise version of your life plan, and then we'll work out what your current wealth plan is and, and what you want to be doing. Um, and then, in case you didn't have enough, we'll do a, a little follow-up just to check in, make sure that of all the services that we've shared with you, that at least one of them resonates. Um, and, in, and only in that meeting are you able to sign up. You can't sign up before that point. So you have to make it through the journey. <laughs> um, and if, if you're not right for us, there's no obligato. What we'll do is refer you on to the right next person. I never want to see, see you high and dry. We'll either give you a homework task and say get back in touch in three, six, 12 months. Mm. Um, we'll sign you up to something that we're going to help you with. Then we'll guide you through that or we'll refer you to someone else that's going to help you out. So if you come into our hands, you'll never be left empty-handed and you'll that's never good. be left without direction. That's good custodianship. I like that. So, mate, I've really enjoyed this conversation. I reckon we will uh, – I'll, I'll drop a link for uh, to Purpose Advisory in the show notes so people can just hit that. So if you're listening to this, check the show notes. You can check out Purpose Advisory. Um, I, I would say that we may need to do another one of these episodes uh, in the future because there's so many other questions that I would love to uh, bounce around with you and um, that I think would be impactful for people. But for now, thanks so much for this scintillating conversation and um, thanks for being part of the show. My pleasure, Goose. What a fun time. Have a lovely day. 